I see AI as being a fundamental foundational technology, potentially larger than what the internet uh, has been uh, over the course of the next 20 to 30 years. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Rajan Sheth, Senior Director of Product Management at Google Cloud Artificial Intelligence, and Ron Toledo, Global CTO of Insights and Data at Capgemini, are with us today to chat about our Digital Transformation Institute's research on artificial intelligence in the 11th edition of the Digital Transformation Review. Rajan and Ron, welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Well, let's start with introductions first. Rajan, uh, can you please tell us a little bit about your background and how you became involved with AI? Yeah, uh, great question. So I've, I've been here at Google for about 14 years uh, involved with our enterprise efforts here at Google uh, that entire time. And what we've been really trying to do is figure out how can we bring the best of Google's technologies uh, to developers and to businesses everywhere to, uh, to be able to, to be able to use. Um, over the last three or four years, Google has really become an AI first uh, company. And in more than in name, uh, really within all of our products, AI is being uh, becoming a, a key essential ingredient. And so um, recently we formed a, a group here in Google Cloud to do very similar things, to take the best of Google's technologies and build more technologies such that we can bring AI to many more, uh, many more users. And so I just joined this team about seven months ago uh, to lead the product efforts. Uh, and we're really focusing on how can we democratize AI and make it easy, fast, and useful for uh, developers and customers. That's great. Uh, Ron, what's your story? So, so I'm CTO for Capgemini's Insights and Data Practice. That's a global practice uh, of everything around data, including definitely the topic of, uh, of AI. Uh, and, and I'm actually long enough in this business. Uh, I'm not uh, you know, afraid to confess uh, to have witnessed not one, but actually two so-called AI winters. So, so all the way back to the 80s, uh, there was a lot of enthusiasm for, for what people mm. at that time used to call expert systems. Also, sometimes also AI, and, and there were programming languages like Lisp and Prolog. I actually wrote my own Prolog interpreter at that time, uh, you know, um, um, on, on the bare metal, which was nice to do. And in the 90s, there was a lot of enthusiasm for case-based reasoning and Bayesian networks and what have you. And, and at that time, I think um, particularly the infrastructure and also storage was not up to par at that moment in time to really um, benefit from uh, from AI. So, so I've been quite long in the in this business, uh, certainly also around AI and very enthusiastic about the proofs that we're currently seeing, and so much enthusiasm uh, with, with our clients uh, all the way up to the boardroom for for artificial intelligence. So delighted to discuss it today. Yeah, well, Rajan, in your digital transformation review interview. You mentioned that when a customer walks into a retail store today, uh, they're almost always anonymous. Uh, Within the next five to 10 years, how do you see AI making the retail customer known? Yeah, great question. I I think part of it is about making the customer known, but I think the, the bigger part of it is presenting useful information to the customer uh, such that they're able to make a buying decision. And the, the way that I relate it is that if I go online uh, to, to an e-commerce site, when I go there, it knows enough to be able to give me um, great recommendations and, and tell me what I should be looking at. And if I'm starting to get interested in something, it'll tell me more about other things I should take a look at, more information about that product, things like that. 
Those are the kinds of things we need to bring in store. And so I think the opportunities in store are two things. One is to figure out based on what we know about a, a user to, to figure out kind of how to guide that user to make it so that they are, they're able to have a, um, an efficient, uh, but also fulfilling shopping experience, uh, within the store. And then also to make the process, uh, easier. For example, how do you make things like checkout a lot easier, uh, by personalizing the experience? How do you make, uh, guiding a customer to where they, where they need to go within a store a lot easier? So all of those are areas where I think AI can really help. Hmm. Ron, what are your thoughts? I certainly um, agree with you there, uh, Russian. Um, I, I believe there is uh, there, there are two sides to it, right? That there is indeed um, understanding uh, the, the customer so deeply that that almost becomes psychic. I'm, I'm sure you've heard of the psychic pizza phenomenon, right? It's 7 p.m. Friday evening, you get hungry, and then the doorbell rings, and and there's the pizza delivery because they just knew. They just knew you wanted it, right? They they knew you would be craving for that pizza, and and they and they're exactly spot on. Uh, which, which I think is fascinating. It, it has a comfort quality to it. So, so, so I believe that the more the, the, the more frictionless the shopping experience would be, which includes, by the way, uh, not no longer the necessity to check out, for example, or to check in, for that matter. Uh, the, the more seamless it becomes, the more almost psychic and, and uh, you know own it becomes, and the better it is. But there's obviously a, a fine balance with, between that intimacy versus uh, being downright creepy. And, 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 you know, so, so, so there's always a fine balance and there's a, you know, there's a thin line between these two worlds, which I find fascinating to navigate. And I completely agree. And I, I think that this is one example in AI, but there are many others where, where that balance needs to be struck well, um, in terms of, in terms of making sure where we are, um, we're, we're respectful of the user's privacy. And a lot of times they, they do want to be anonymous when they, when they walk into a store, for example. And so we need to make sure of that. And we also need to check for things like biases and, and check for, uh, uh, check for, for, um, you know, how we evaluate AI to make sure that we're guiding them in, in the right direction, uh, in the right way. Exactly. And, and as long as it's not a passion killer, right? Because I do believe that, that the, uh, privacy and, and, and security of data are absolutely crucial. They're foundational to everything that we're doing. And on the other hand, I've already seen in many cases that, that it's used as a passion killer in terms of, you know, we, we cannot move forward. There's splendid opportunity over here, but, but this is a difficult thing and we need to think about it. And, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's stop for now. And then some companies, uh, you know, become petrified. And, and if you strike the right balance, uh, actually customers feel, feel, uh, you know, welcomed. And, and they feel secure and, and, and they feel that, you, that that's, they're dealing with a trustworthy company. And, and then I think uh, they'll also appreciate the comfort um, of, of a seamless experience and, and actually see the benefits uh, of it as well. But, but it's, a, it's a journey, right? And everybody needs to get probably used to it as well on, on, on either side of the equation. So, I mean, of course, AI is going to be a game changer when it comes to the client and customer, really customer experience. But when it comes down to how to implement this and more of the company's experience who's implementing these AI technologies, I mean, Rajen, in the report, you said AI today is really where the web and the internet were in 1994. Everyone sees a lot of promise, but it's still hard to build upon. Uh, but talent is the biggest limiting factor for AI right now. So how would you advise organizations to make it so that existing teams can leverage AI? Yeah, I think that there there are two parts of that. And, and where I was going with that is that 
I see AI as being a fundamental foundational technology, potentially larger than what the internet uh, has been uh, over the course of the next mm. 20 to 30 years. Um, however, we are at the very beginning. And so that does mean that we have that talent gap as well as kind of that gap of people trying to figure out how it's best used. And so I, I, I think we need to approach it from two sides. One is we need to look at the business problems and figure out what are the biggest business problems that AI can can help with. There are a lot of things that we can do that are cool, but what we need to focus on are doing things that are useful and uh, and finding those things that that have significant return on investment for for customers. On the other side, we need to make building AI accessible to many more people. Right now, there are only in the order of tens of thousands of people that can do deep learning. Uh, there are only on the order of probably a million to a million and a half data scientists out there, but there are 21 million developers. And so one thing that we put a lot of effort into uh, with a lot of our tools is how do we get to those 21 million developers and how do we make it so that they can create custom AI models uh, that do interesting things. Yeah, and, and, and the interesting mm -hmm. thing is, right, and if you think about it, it's, it's probably the future of that is also itself in AI. Uh, I, I do neural networks now. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. And in fact, in our case, the, the present is, uh, is exactly that. That, for example, we released a, mm -hmm. a tool called AutoML, which uh, essentially is exactly. a machine learning model that creates machine learning models. And uh, we've seen actually really amazing success uh, with that to enable people that have never been able to touch AI before. We see the same in the world of analytics as well, by the way, nowadays. So there, there's a lot of tendency towards self-service, not only because of lack of talent, although it's obvious, but also because business, uh, you know, wants to be closer to creating the, these analytical solutions themselves. And then you see all sorts of, let's say, AI-driven or cognitive, if you like, uh, support for it that helps you to select the right data, prepare it in the right way, and then, and then articulate your questions or even create, you know, uh, analytical models, uh, all, all AI-driven or AI-assisted. And, and uh, so it's, it's working there as well. And, and I'm and indeed uh, certainly believe that, that this will be uh, the breakthrough in AI as well. We, we need to simplify AI with the help of AI. And, and that's, a, that's a fascinating thought. No, that's a great point, Ron. Um, building off of that, what are some products that have radically changed or that have been radically changed by AI? Well, if, if I had to say, I, I would say particularly in the area of, of user interfaces, I, I think a lot is happening nowadays. So, so everybody knows Google Home. Or, or Amazon Alexa, and, and uh, let's say the whole area of voice recognition and actually being comfortable in having a dialogue with a device, I think is, uh, is, clearly, is clearly due to, uh, to um, uh, artificial intelligence. Um, and, and also I would say that the whole area of natural language understanding, so including um, you know, systems being able to, to summarize a complex document or even a contract for you. I've seen a lot of uh, breakthroughs recently that I, I really tend to like. And, and, and look, of course, at next generation smartphones that, for example, can detect your face using an onboard, on-chip neural network. All of that is really in the area of user interface and some cognitive capabilities that I uh, particularly like right now. Yeah, I, I would, I would uh, agree with that, that uh, those three areas, vision, meaning, you know, in, in a picture or video, how can you get understanding, uh, natural language understanding, and speech, are probably the three most exciting areas uh, within uh, within AI. And we've now built it in a lot of our tools with things like Google Photos, with Google Home, uh, with even places like Gmail, where we're, we're, we'll give you a smart reply based on uh, the message that's coming in and who you are. Yeah, and just to continue on that track, Rajan, obviously, I mean, Google has a wealth of products using AI technology. I mean, 
I may, I kind of want a little bit of a sneak peek on what's kind of on the forefront of Google, but I, I know you are probably, you probably can't share too much of that, but are there any other products that you foresee using AI in the future? Yeah, it's a great question. And what's been interesting is that literally within the last three years, we've gone from just a few products at Google using AI to now almost every product at Google using AI in one shape or another. And th- there, there's so many examples of this. They're, they're kind of the obvious ones like self-driving cars and, uh, and things like AlphaGo. Um, they're the more, um, more kind of consumer-oriented ones like Google Photos and Google Home that we, uh, that, that we mentioned. But then there, there are other ones. Like, for example, within Chrome and Chrome OS, uh, we do a lot uh, uh, with um, uh, things like handwriting recognition or using machine learning to, uh, to make writing more efficient on the screen, for example. Um, we do a lot within places like, uh, uh, for example, Google Play uh, to be able to use machine learning to uh, to detect malware. Um, and so those are some really interesting use cases that uh, that are a little bit more in the background, but tremendously useful to users. Yeah, and I noticed that, um, especially within the report, you mentioned how Google is AI first. And obviously that is re- seen in Google's products. But I mean, you also said over the past two years, Google has gone from around a couple hundred projects using AI to almost 7,500 projects making Google an AI first company, obviously, but that's right. Um, have there been any, been any growing pains from a couple hundred projects to 7,500 projects? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we still, we face the same um, uh, kind of learning and talent gap here that, that anybody does. Um, and so we've had to go from, you know, kind of a small group uh, within Google uh, creating a lot of the AI technologies for all of the teams to now figuring out how do we train the rest of Google uh, to be able to, to, to use that. And so they've had to go in a successive modes for that. One, you know, starting by building it for people. The second thing is kind of consulting with people to ha- help them build it themselves. And now the third is to train more widely uh, so that every Google engineer uh, is able to uh, understand how to use machine learning. And so we have a lot that we've now also externalized in terms of machine learning courses and things like that that uh, uh, that, that we use to help train uh, internal people uh, about machine learning. And Ron, is AI first, uh, is the AI first way of thinking unique to Google or is this becoming a trend across many organizations? Well, it's, it's definitely becoming a trend. Is, is it be, yeah. uh, among many organizations is, is quite questionable. But for example, I'm currently involved in a, a very interesting global rollout of um, what we call AI accelerator program for a, for a large um, global um, consumer goods company. And there, the training is going on as well, uh, but one cases and, and actually work with a few startups, but also with, with Google or, or, or Amazon technology to actually get that going. And, and uh, you, you see that these companies actually get, uh, on top, of course, of all the machine learning capabilities, which are cre- cle- clearly foundational, you see actually uh, mostly business people involved in these uh, sessions. And it's fascinating to see how you create an AI-first uh, company by on one end having a top-down strategy in terms of we believe that the corporate IQ can be raised through AI. So we want to be a fir- an AI first company. And in order to achieve that, you need a bottom-up type of 
uh, mobilization of, of the people involved. And, and then it's one thing, of course, mm. to, to have the technology for it, which, which is clearly necessary because this is, of course, a, a breakthrough that is caused through technology. But, but you mobilize the business people, make them aware of what you can do with AI, how, how it could infuse everything they're doing and, and for the better of it, uh, truly makes an AI first company, I believe. Hmm. Well, Ron, what advice would you offer to an executive right now listening to this podcast, considering investing in an AI-driven solution? I, you know, you know, I, I, I have this 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 example of uh, an AI-first country, which is the Arab, uh, you know, United Arab uh, Emirates. They actually declared themselves to be an AI-first country because uh, they want to be clearly leading in this area. And then you see a combination of two things that enterprises should consider as well that there is clearly a top-down vision because if it, if it isn't driven by by let's say the, the very top of the enterprise or in this case the country uh, it's probably not going to move you know because the, there won't be the, the real true enterprise-wide passion for it and but on the other hand uh, get get very hands-on with the technology and learn while doing i think is crucial as well uh, we did a, a report last year also with our digital transformation institute that that created dozens and dozens of uh, i would say low-hanging fruit use cases that that enterprises can do right now with all uh, without all of the passion killing that that might occur because of, of bigger questions but actually get hands-on with the technology right away uh, create some interesting um, beneficial use cases and learn while doing it so there's absolutely no substitute uh, for getting hands-on with, uh, with with these new technologies on top, of course, of, of strategizing, which is a, a crucial thing to do as well. That's a good point. Well, Rajan, any additional recommendations? Yeah, I think I think I, I would agree with what Ron is saying. Is that really the way I would put it is that we need to focus on how AI can be useful uh, within within companies and looking at kind of both the top down and the bottoms up, you know, top, top down, figuring out those right business cases where, where AI can really help and really make a difference uh, for an organization and bottoms up teaching people on the, on the latest tools uh, to do really interesting, uh, really interesting things. And, and, it, and it goes beyond kind of traditional data science to now a variety of uh, interesting tools that can that can operate on many many different types of data, and so um, I think that's uh, that that's the way that things need to be approached. I think you know really AI kind of is at the top of the hype cycle uh, right now, and where we need to get it to um, is. Mm showing useful results uh, with that and showing where and guiding people towards where there are useful results. Well, well, Rajan and Ron, this has been a helpful conversation. Thank you so much for your time today. You can connect with Rajan on Twitter at Raj Sheth, which is R-A-J-S-H-E-T-H on Twitter, and Ron at R Toledo, R T-O-L-I-D-O. Also, if you're interested in staying up to date on the Digital Transformation Institute, please subscribe and download reports at capgemini.com slash digital transformation institute. Rajan and Ron, thank you so much.